Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham. Enough people had complained to me about the new intro music for the podcast. They wanted the drum line back. So I aim to please. I listen to listener feedback and uh, I'm a man of the people. And I, and I get it. I look, full disclosure, I kind of lost the project that I edit the podcasts on. So I lost kind of my, my template. And I just had to re-download stuff. And I thought, hey, maybe music would be better. But the people have spoken. The drum line is back. Colby Powell is back. Colby, you ready for uh, OSU K-State this weekend? Carson, I am ready. I'm glad the drum line is back. You got to give the people what they want. So that's what we try to do here on the Pistols Firing Pod. Uh, sometimes it's hard whenever you run for like 1.4 yards of carry to give the people what they want. But the drum line is what the people wanted. And the drum line is what the people shall have. You gotta listen. To, you gotta listen to the people. Uh, listen to the viewers, and we or the viewers, the listeners, and uh, we appreciate everyone that is listening because the the numbers are are up big time, and people are fired up for football season. So we we really appreciate everyone tuning in today, getting ready for a big game on Saturday with Kansas State, which we will get into, and we've got a lot of Mike Gundy stuff to talk about today. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at Chris University Spirit. Dot com. You know, back in 2007, Colby, I was in college and I went by Chris's a bunch to go get some some OSU gear. Uh, what were you doing back in 2007? Back in 2007, well, I was at the OSU Texas Tech game. Uh, I watched Brandon Pettigrew rumble, bumble, stumble down the field. And then I believe we flipped on over to KXY and listened to uh, Mike Gundy's rant and Hunziker and Holcomb and the whole nine yards. And then I headed back for what I believe would have been my freshman year in high school. Okay. So I'm, I'm way older than you. I was in college. And of course, I'm, I'm referencing, you know, yesterday was the 14th anniversary of the Mike Gundy rant. And uh, so in 2007, I was a student uh, reporter for the Ocali. I think I believe I was the sports editor at the time. So I, I covered a lot of OSU games, press conferences on Mondays. I was around a lot. And I remember the OSU Tech game was either homecoming or just it was a big it was a big home game to where I just wanted to go to the game as a student and tailgate and not worry about working. So one of the few co press conferences I was not at was this press conference of the Mike Gundy rant. I missed out on history because I wanted to just be a student and hang out. And I remember I was at a tailgate after the game and the guy we had covered in the game, like texted me and, and uh, the other sports editor and said, uh, I don't know what just happened, but Mike Gundy just went off about something about some, article or something he's just yelling and screaming and stormed out and we were all like huh they just won like an absolute instant classic thriller and he's mad like there was a lot of confusion going on and ultimately we found out it's because of the article in the oklahoman and that article colby i don't know if you remember it didn't come out until the morning of the game on saturday so a lot of people who were covering it or who were just at the game hadn't read it and didn't know what he was talking about. A lot, a lot of the media I spoke to that were there had no clue what he was yelling about or what article he was referencing. <laughs> so it was kind yeah. of a, a bizarre <laughs> moment in the moment. 
Uh, it was. It was very bizarre. We're all like, why is he so upset? This was a, an instant classic thriller that you were on the better side of. Why is he so upset? And nobody really figured it out until a little bit later. But uh, I have got a, a runaway favorite line. I'm sure everybody has different favorite lines. Yes, I'm a man. I'm 40 is great. But to me, Carson, right at the beginning of the rant, when he holds up the newspaper and he says, I don't read this. This was brought to me by a mother. And then he pauses for like a full two beats and says, of children. <laughs> and for whatever reason, 14 years later, I cannot watch the Gundy rant and not just absolutely lose it when he says, this was brought to me by a mother of children. <laughs> I don't know why that part gets me every single time. It's so good. And that one's almost like too mainstream for me. It's, it's amazing. I laugh every time I hear it. I just, I like kind of the more indie options and I tweeted out the, you know, the, the KOCO video on YouTube is the one that everyone has seen. It's got like 4.2 million views. It's like the one that you can go watch in its entirety on, on YouTube. And it's so funny because, you know, I was of course in college when this happened and it's remained like part of my lexicon just in everyday life. The, that ain't true or that's inaccurate. It's fiction. You know, just little things have just stuck with me. But when I was in college, one of my favorite ones, and this is one no one really references or talks about, is they're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. <laughs> just that's a that's an indie one. And I kind of ranked them. I had I had that one up there. I had the my favorite one that I used to quote with Kyle Porter all the time is the I hope you have a child who comes home upset. He like yells and then like pauses two more beats and says upset really quietly. I also like uh, downgrades, but downgrades was really good that you put out. That's that's one that I still say. I, and sometimes people don't know what I'm like. They're, they're like looking at me like, does this guy know how to speak English? And they don't realize it's from the Gundy rant. I still use that all the time. Don't don't be downgrade someone. He was clearly he was going to say belittle. But then he decided to say downgrade. So yep. they said be downgrade and belittle. And it was just, I mean, it was absolute pure bliss. But like you say, just using it in everyday language for 14 years, I've said, you know, if my wife, if I've done something at the house and my wife brings it up or something, I'll say, uh, nope, that wasn't me. And she'll say, yes, it was. And I'll say, that ain't true. <laughs> it works. Mike Gundy's got a little bit of that good old boy in his voice. You know, I'm from Chickasha, so I got a little bit of the good old boy in my voice. So I can do a, a decent Gundy if I get fired up. You can. That was that was that was accurate, as as Mike Gundy would say. Um, what's what's what? A C K R U T or R I T, depending on yep. your your preference. And what's amazing about it, looking back on it all these years later, and if you've covered Mike. Uh, and gone to his press conferences or just watched his press conference over the years a lot of his little phrases in there are kind of his like go-to's at press conferences about kids who do everything right who go to class and are respectful like he says that all the time about his players and a lot of his like you could tell he was shooting from the hip because of that because a lot of his his ticks and his, kind of his crutch phrases came out in that rant and so in, in the moment I didn't really know what he was talking about but having covered him for so long it's kind of funny when he starts you know saying like the where we at in society today he talks all about society every year and we'll get into that a little later too but it's funny to me Colby looking back how many of, of the Gundyisms remain because that's kind of his his crutch phrases 
Yeah, it is. And he's, he's been a major benefactor of the coach press conference. That has been a big way for him to win people over, uh, over the last decade and a half at Oklahoma state. He's really good in press conferences. He's really entertaining. Uh, I mean, you remember him bringing the dog a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's a real fast way to my heart is to show up with a dog. And that was a good dog too. That's uh, back. I think there was a, a year or two where I was going to the press conferences on Monday and he would bring the dog and we love the dog. It's just who doesn't love the dog. So uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely played the press conference game incredibly well in his tenure as head coach. Well, what's amazing was he was only in his, I believe, Oh five, Oh six is Oh seven, his third season. And this really kind of made him a national name. I mean, a lot of people didn't know who Mike Gundy was before this, and it's probably going to be with him the rest of his life. I mean, it, it might be in his obituary. He once yelled, I'm a man, I'm for Like, it literally is like synonymous with, with the name Mike Gundy. And he's obviously moved way past that and become a very established coach in the country. And I, I'm kind of glad that, like, every time he's brought up nationally, they, they don't just – because for a period of time there, anytime OSU was on TV, that's all you heard was, I'm a man, I'm 40, there's Mike Gundy. It, it's become, we're, we're too far down the road now where it's not the first thing people bring up, but it certainly put him on, on the national map with, with the common viewer. Yeah, it did. And, you know, the national guys, they look for stuff like that. Uh, I mean, we know what some of the famous rants are throughout history. Dennis Green had one. Uh, Jim Moore had the one talking about playoffs. And Mike Gundy's is right up there with the best of all time. And like you said, for a long time, because you have to remember, Les Miles did some good things and kind of got Oklahoma State moving in the right direction. But Oklahoma State was still a, I don't know, uh, the 70 or 80th best program in the country whenever I was growing up. They weren't on the map really at all. So Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40. That's kind of what the national people clung on to as far as, okay, this is Oklahoma State football. This is their coach. This is the eccentric personality. This is Oklahoma State football. And the further removed from that we've gotten, the more Oklahoma State football has been talked about for its success on the field uh, because Oklahoma State has been the second best team in the conference for the last decade uh, and had one of the best teams the conference has seen in 2011. I'd, I'd put that team right up there with some of the uh, Oklahoma teams that have won the conference. So uh, certainly ahead of any school from Texas, TCU, Iowa State, anything like that. So, uh, yeah, it's nice for Oklahoma State to be recognized now more for on-field performance as opposed to uh, I'm a man, I'm 40, which at the time was great because it got Oklahoma State some pub and uh, made Mike Gundy look very likable. And next thing you know, you get some some NFL guys coming in. I was, I was looking at the 2009 roster last night. I was at the golf course yesterday. Uh, guy hollers at me. He's like, hey, man, love y'all's podcast. Y'all do a great job. So I go over and talk to him. Uh, he told me his name was Nathan. He was on the 2009 Oklahoma State team as a receiver. So I pulled up the roster, see what his last name was and stuff. And I was scrolling down the roster, and I'm looking at the names on that 2009 team, and it is NFL guy, NFL guy, NFL guy. Uh, Lane Taylor on that team, Russell Okung on that roster, Des Bryant, Justin Blackman, and several others on that team. And I was just blown away by just the the level of just high caliber talent that was on some of those teams. Yeah, I, I do think the rant really endeared him to recruits and parents of recruits. They, they saw that he was willing to to defend his player against what he thought was, you know, a, a slight or a, an unfair article and, and things of that nature. So you're you're right that 019 did have a ton of studs. They were I mean, getting Dez in the house was was pretty, pretty outstanding. So you're right. And it's it's amazing that it's been 14 years. It really time just does not continue to stop. It just keeps going. So 
wanted to note the uh, the anniversary of the infamous rant. And speaking of Mike Gundy, he always has some interesting thoughts on the world we live in, the society we're in today, to quote him. Uh, he was kind of asked about just the rash of injuries that OSU has had this year. And I won't read the whole quote. Uh, Pistols Firing tweeted it out. I retweeted it. I'll just read a snippet. He said, uh, the generation above, which would be my grandparents, they didn't know anything about dieting. They grew up on a farm. They drank whole milk that came from a cow. They got cream off the top. The milk they were drinking was cream, basically. The fat content was probably through the roof. They made their own butter. Uh, then they lived till their 90s. And he said, uh, let's see here. Kids these days. Uh, oh, I lost my place here. These. Kids these days doesn't really narrow it down with Mike Gundy. Yeah, he, he basically <laughs> said, uh, the a- okay, the athletes back then don't look like they do now, had more body fat. Their bodies were not as finely tuned physique-wise like the guys are now. So I'm not sure they carry more body weight than they should based on their joints. They don't have enough in their bodies for any extra if something happens. I think that's what's happening. I don't know if there's any science behind it as the hammer, as the last sentence. And look, I... I don't know. <laughs> I can't, I can't explain the veracity of this theory. It certainly is true that, you know, people are way more conscious about diet, probably way more lean than they used to be. Gundy mentioned that he, he would show up for two a days and get in shape over the course of, of two a days. And that's how he got ready for the season. And that certainly was the case back in the NFL days. They're, they used to have training camp to get the players in shape because they didn't work out year round. That's kind of how it was back then. But uh, Colby, I don't know if uh, drinking the cream off the top is why the, the wide receiving core is so beat up. <laughs> I don't know if there's any science behind it is like the Mike Gundy anthem, right? <laughs> I mean, he throws out these theories and then at the end, he's always like, yeah, I don't know if there's anything to that. After he's just thrown out this like crazy, ridiculous theory. And, um, you know, I think maybe our guys getting injured more now. I don't know. I mean, guys got injured. Uh, whenever I was growing up, guys got injured all the time playing football, uh, concussions all the time, uh, concussions seem fewer and further between, which is definitely a good thing. Um, maybe it's just the fact that because these athletes are so finely tuned, and this is my, my own personal theory that maybe because the athletes are so fine tuned and they are in such great shape and they do lift and work out and stuff year round, they're bigger, faster, and stronger. It means they're hitting harder at higher rates of speed. I, I mean, it's, it's inevitable. You're, you're getting bigger, faster, stronger, and you're hitting each other. It's probably going to be a few more injuries. So, yeah, I don't know if drinking the cream off the top really has anything to do with it, but another great Gundyism, you know? We're, we're all about the Gundyisms. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it reminds me, do you remember when, I think, I don't know if he was talking about COVID or just people getting sick when he said that, you know, when we were growing up, we, we'd play outside and we were outdoors and it conditioned us to, for the elements. Do you remember all that? Uh, vaguely I do. I remember he went on several rants whenever COVID started that, that had to have the caveat of, I don't know if there's any science behind this. Uh, so it's totally old man. This is how it was back in my day. And now things are terrible, <laughs> but like the, the, the nature of just being outside prevented them from getting sick a lot was his, was his gist. And it, it reminded me a lot of that. And I, I think you're right. Colby. I think, guys are so big and so fast now that's just simple science you know you're running that much faster and you're that much bigger i mean it's going to have a much more force of impact and i think that's i certainly think that's what's happening honestly but 
interesting thoughts from the head of Mike Gundy where we're at in society today. He also mentioned Colby that the, the referees apologized about the missed call on, on the, or the, not the missed call, the egregious call on Brock Martin. And he even used the quote crooked refs. And I, I wasn't there. So I don't know if he said that, you know, smiling tongue in cheek, but he basically said that they, they admitted their fault. And, uh, it basically was one of the biggest makeup calls that, that I can recall. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's not very often that you hear a head coach actually come out and say that the refs apologize for blowing a call. Luckily didn't end up having a huge impact on the game because Oklahoma state did go on to win, but I mean, that's a call that was, it was really bad Carson. I mean, yes. And, and I've been on Twitter and I've seen Boise state fans talk about there's nothing in comparison to the potential scoop and score. Okay. Yes. But the scoop and score it was a fumble. That's happening so fast. He thought he was down. Should have let the play run out. Absolutely. Should have let the play run its course and then figure it out. But, I mean, a sack that gets called roughing the passer? I mean, you just roast the right tackle, get to the quarterback, take him to the ground, and it's 15 yards. Didn't hit him high. Didn't go at his knees. I mean, he caught him, like, in the hip, maybe the upper thigh, and took him down. It was it was brutal. So, I'm not surprised that they owned up to that. Uh, and it's good for officials to do that. I was... Whenever I was younger, I umpired baseball for about four years, and I got calls wrong. I was a human being. I didn't get them all right. And, you know, if there was one that I got wrong and I thought about it throughout that inning, you know, every so often, once every few weeks in the summer, I'd have to walk over to a coach, and I'd be like, you know what? I'm not sure I was, I'm not sure I was in position on that one. I, I think I might have missed. I think I might have missed that one. And they always appreciated it. Nobody was ever mad. They always appreciated it. Own up to it. You're a human being. You get it wrong. But uh, yeah, that one was brutal. A sack turning into roughing the passer is a game changer. Luckily, Oklahoma State went on to win. How much did parents yell at you when you umped? Oh, dude. Oh, God. I mean, parents are the worst. And the weird thing is, oddly, I don't know if this is the weird thing. People have probably experienced this. It's like the younger the kids got, the angrier the parents got. <laughs> if I would umpire for 14 year olds, the parents would, you know, they'd get a little fired up, but it was nothing like umpiring for nine year olds. Nine year old parents are the worst. I think maybe it's because by the time your kid's 14, you realize they're probably not going to play major league baseball. At, <laughs> five, at nine, I guess all these parents think that their kids are going to be the next Fernando Tatis or Bryce Harper, and they just lose their minds on every little thing. I mean, I, I couldn't believe some of the things that came out of parents' mouths at nine-year-old baseball games. So if you're one of those parents, don't be. You're, you're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing your child. Yeah, that's like the opposite of what it really should be. A more competitive, you know, like high school team you would think would be more intense. But that doesn't surprise me. Uh, we've talked a lot this week, Colby, about the job Jim Knowles has done, and, and rightfully so. And, and Mike Gundy spoke a lot at his press conference about Jim Knowles and just how he's he says he's like Philly streets tough, but he also comes from the Ivy League. So he's got this unique personality. Um, he's coached for 30 years. And, and when he got to a shoe, Colby, they struggled in 2018. They were seven and six. They allowed 32 and a half points per game, over 450 yards per game. And Gundy referenced that, you know, the Big 12 had more offensive skill talent, but he also gives some credit for kind of adjusting his schemes and just getting acclimated into the league. And they're now... They're now uh, allowing just 20 points per game and 328 yards per game through the first three games. And I just think the job Jim Knowles has done and the way he was able to acclimate himself to the Big 12 is just, it's really impressive. And, and Gundy uh, talked a lot about Jim this week. Yeah, it's really impressive. When he came over from Duke, I think, 
Um, let's just say the jury was out early on in Jim Knowles' tenure at Oklahoma State. It's like, you, you go to Duke for a defensive coordinator? Is, is Duke known for its defense? Because when I think Duke, I, I certainly don't think football, and I don't go one step further to think defense. He has come over and been exceptional and exceeded every possible expectation. I mean, even the highest possible expect, expectations you could have had for Jim Knowles whenever he came over, he has far exceeded those to the point where Oklahoma State's defense has for two to three years now legitimately been winning Oklahoma State games. It, Oklahoma State has been winning in spite of its offense, which is not what we are accustomed to. And Jim Knowles deserves all the credit for that. Cannot possibly lob enough praise his way. I really wonder... I know that it's a young man's game, and I know that offense rules the roost, but I really wonder if he would have any interest in going to be a head coach somewhere. And if, you know, because it is a young man's game, it is a, a primarily offensive game, I wonder where a fit for him would be. Uh, I certainly don't want Oklahoma State to lose him anytime soon, but I just wonder if, if that's something that he, he desires to accomplish. I, I don't know. Maybe he's happy where he's at and enjoys being a coordinator. Some guys are like that. Look at Venables. Venables has no no interest in being a head coach. He likes where he's at. He's in a good spot, and he's just going to keep it rolling. So uh, Jim Knowles has been awesome at Oklahoma State. Yeah, I would think, you know, a job like Temple, you know, that's Philadelphia. They've hired defensive coordinators in the past uh, from Power Fives. I think a job like that would would certainly intrigue him, but he's an interesting cat. I don't know how the interview process would go as a, as a head coach, different being a coordinator to a head coach, but he's certainly – the job he's doing, I, I certainly think he should get interviews. And my big criticism of, of Gundy's hires over the years, you know, if you want to go hire Mike Yersich, and that hire turned out to be an absolute home run, my only problem was when they hire, like, the Yersiches of the world from relative obscurity, they were still paying them, like, $400,000, up to half a million. You know, like, they were paying, like, way if, – if you want to go to the depths of, of D2 and, and, and get a diamond in the rough – they were still paying them like they were like a top coordinator candidate in the country. And so when he hired Knowles, I was like, just go hire like the best defensive coordinator, the money you're paying can buy. And it, I, I didn't feel like they were doing that, but I've been wrong on, on I was wrong on your and I was definitely wrong on, on Jim Knowles. So Mike Gundy clearly knows what he's doing. And, and, he, and I don't know the inner workings of those contract dealings. Maybe that's what it takes to get someone to uproot their life and move to Stillwater, Oklahoma. If they've never been there, I don't, I don't have any idea, but that was my criticism going into it. And Gundy spoke a lot about how hard Jim Knowles is on his players, which really confirmed to me what I had heard, Colby. Back in 2018, when he got there, I was hearing that he was so hard on his players that Gundy kind of had to pull him aside and be like, look, this, this, ain't, this isn't going to work. You, you can't be doing this. Like, he was that hard on his players. And clearly, he's learned the balance. And Gundy spoke about how he'll, he'll love on them and kind of do the parenting thing to where they understand that, it's just tough love and he clearly his players love him and, and love playing for him. But that was a big adjustment for him. I think coming from the East coast was he was Gunny said he's harder on players than most coaches are nowadays, which I, I had heard. And it was interesting to hear Gundy really confirm that. Yeah. And it's, it's a balance, right? For coaches. And we've heard some of the best coaches talk about this. It's a balance of knowing how to coach, which guy, some guys really need a good ass chewing to get them motivated and get them going. But then they need you to come put your arm around them. Let them know you care about them. Let them know you love them. You're there for them. All that good stuff. Some guys, they don't need the ass chewing to start with. 
They just need positive reinforcement. And as a coach, it's your job to fill out your players and determine who needs what to get them motivated. I don't think it's a cookie cutter, one size fits all method. And I think uh, some coaches go with the cookie cutter, one size fits all method. I think that's a lot of, um, and a second NFL comparison I'll make this week. It was the Ravens earlier this week. I'll go with the New York Giants today. Joe Judge, I feel like, has a one-size-fits-all method. Joe Judge is hard-nosed. We're going to run if somebody messes up. I'm going <laughs> to be just on you 24-7. And guess what? Joe Judge is going to get fired. And Joe Judge is not going to get another head coaching job anytime soon because Joe Judge is not a good head coach, and his players do not do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. It's not a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter method, so hopefully um, the guys in Stillwater know that and know what they need to do with each individual player to get the best out of them because that's where I feel like you get your best from coaches is when they know, okay, my starting middle linebacker, he needs this, but my starting corner, he doesn't need that. He needs something totally different, so let's relate to guys in ways that get them where they need to be. So seems like Jim Knowles has kind of mastered that because – I have not noticed anyone on the defensive side of the ball who does not show up with the cleats laced up, ready to roll as soon as it kicks off on Saturday. And I think we're going to see more of it this weekend. I think we're going to see an absolute defensive uh, show on Saturday in Stillwater. I agree. I think it's going to be low scoring. And we'll, we'll get to the, the matchup here in a second. But there was an interesting stat from Cody Nagel at 247 Sports. He said the combined margin of victory in Oklahoma State's three wins this season is 13 points. If my research is correct, that is the lowest combined margin compared to the other 26 times OSU has started 3-0 since 1912. That tells you how, how precariously OSU has been winning these games and how, how thin the margins have been so far uh, to start 3-0 with that, that little margin of victory, which you've referenced uh, on this pod the last few weeks. 1912. Wow. <laughs> Uh, it's been a day or two. That's a long time before the uh, 1945 national championship team. Yeah, no doubt. That was like uh, Balkan War territory for all my fellow <laughs> history nerds out there. Uh, yeah, 13 points in three games. It, and it's like we talked about on, on Monday. Sometimes you just win and get out of there and get home and put a win on your record. It hasn't been pretty. I mean, Missouri State by seven is not pretty. Tulsa by five is not pretty. Boise by one with no points scored in the second half. That's not pretty. And Carson, I don't expect Saturday night to be pretty. But you know what I do expect? I expect Oklahoma State to be 4-0. I, I expect them to walk out of Boone Pickens Stadium Saturday night, a 4-0 football team. And I think a lot of people are going to be sitting around saying, how is this team 4-0? <laughs> they are just skating by just right on the edge um but they keep finding ways to get it done and i think they're going to do it again saturday night it's a lot like the 2015 season so far where they started 10 and 0 and we looked up like wait a second they're 10 and 0 and then they had you know a backloaded schedule where they played you know powerhouse art briles baylor and ou and got and got smoked the last two or three games of the year or i think two games of the year but it's opposite where the defense is carrying the team and the offense is struggling back then it was all rudolph basically just outscoring teams late so that's, that is interesting. Um, before we get to picking the game, Colby, Dustin Ragusa posted his offensive breakdown on, on PFB plus message boards on pistols firing. You should sign up. His breakdowns are just incredible and really give me a lot more insight because I don't watch the film. I don't watch the all 22 and I don't, I don't break it down nearly as in depth as he does, but he kind of taught me off the ledge a little bit about the offense. He, he posted again, the, the personnel groupings that they used. They were an 11 personnel most of the time, and that's how they ran for 
253 of their rushing yards came from 11 personnel. They averaged seven yards per play, which 11 personnel, again, it's three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. And I was always a proponent. I liked 12 personnel better. They, they had 5.2 yards per play. But what he broke down mostly, Colby, was, you know, Boise was in a 3-3-5, and, and Dunn did a really good job of just establishing the run. At one point, they ran it 21 times in a row. And that's what you have to do against 3-3-5 is to, to kind of break them out of that, get a little looser in the coverage. But the main thing that I was encouraged about was he used way more motion and, you know, Brennan Presley going in motion. He, he used a lot more deception with motion to open up the running game, which I think they absolutely have to do because, as I've said many times, as, as well as their offensive line playing against Boise, they're not good enough just to line up and just blow people off the ball or just line up and run a zone uh, blocking scheme and just expect to have success every play. I think they got to use more eye candy, if you will, and, and Dustin says that they did, which is encouraging. Yeah, that is good. Um, you know, you look at Kansas State. Kansas State's got Deuce Vaughn. He's rushed the ball for at least 200 yards in each game this year. He ran for 269 and four last week against Nevada. Also, Kansas State has allowed 164 rushing yards on the ground this season. That's in three games. That includes a game against Pac-12 Stanford, also Nevada. I think they had Southern Illinois, or who was their second game? Uh, yeah, Southern Illinois. They won 31 to 20. Lukies. Yeah, yeah, 31 to 23. Now, Skylar Thompson is out with, uh, I believe it's a knee injury, so Will Howard will be out there. Oklahoma State fans might remember Will Howard as the quarterback who fumbled right into the arms of Jason Taylor last year, and he took it back to the house. Jason, oh, yes. Yeah, Jason Taylor will be out there again now that we know uh, Now that we know Trey Sterling is out for the rest of the season. So this is going to be uh, a good test for Oklahoma State against a good running defense for Kansas State. But I also think Kansas State is going to – they're not going to run the ball the way they've been running the ball. I, I think it's going to be a little bit of um, a shock for Kansas State whenever they have to move the ball and they can't get four or five yards a carry on the ground. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on this Oklahoma State front seven, and I think that they're going to give Kansas State some issues. Now, Kansas State always has the quirky run game, um, but – if I were putting money down on who's going to run the ball for more yards in this game, I would go with Kansas State. They do have Deuce Vaughn. They've run the ball more effectively than Oklahoma State has. But I think it'll be fairly close, and I think this will be a low-scoring game. I think, you, you know, I know Oklahoma State fans are real tired of seeing punters. I think we're going to see a lot of the punters on Saturday night, and that's okay. You know, Oklahoma State is at a point right now as a program where you need to win some games in the 20s or even the teens, um, and I think we could see that this Saturday. Oh, I, I totally agree. And to your point about K-State, they switched to a three-man defensive front in the offseason, and it's actually helped them stop the run. They have only given up 1.9 yards per carry on 85 attempts, which you referenced, and, and OSU ran for 1.9 against Missouri State. But they obviously did a lot better, and Dustin Ragusa hit on that. Besides the kneel downs and, and you know sacks or whatever, like OSU basically averaged over five yards carry against Boise. So that's a huge improvement, and I do think – Whoever runs the football better, clearly, that, that's that's not breaking news, is, is going to win this game. And Deuce Vaughn is legit. I didn't realize this. He now has rushed for, for uh, 1,000 yards in 13 career games. He has more rushing yards at this point in his career than Darren Sproles did at Kansas State, which just blew my mind because Sproles was awesome. He was an insta-baller. He was great <laughs> as soon as he stepped on campus. And that's the level he's playing at. So OSU's defense is going to have their hands full. But again, these these teams, Colby, just mirror images of each other. 
both threw 13 passes last week. But um, again, that's just, I'm still surprised the line is, I think it's still at six. And that's a lot of points for a low scoring affair. Uh, Barry Trammell had a really good stat on just the low scoring nature of this series uh, beforehand. It was, uh, well, shoot, I lost my place, but it's basically from 2011 to 2018, Oklahoma State was winning shootouts against Kansas State, but the last two have been very low scoring and decided by, you know, very few amount of points. So that's, that's certainly what I expect on Saturday, but I, it sounds like to me, you're going to be picking Oklahoma State. Yeah, I'm staring at the line right now. I'm showing five and a half, Oklahoma State by five and a half. I had it at seven on Sunday, so it's moved a point and a half in Kansas State's direction. Uh, does not scare me off. My favorite bet's probably the under, over under 46 and a half. Boy, I do not see it getting to 47. I, I just, both these teams are struggling to throw the ball. It's going to be slow, methodical. It's going to be, I mean, we talked about earlier in the week, uh, I was going to say with TV timeouts, the game's on ESPN Plus again, which why Oklahoma State, Kansas State continue to get on ESPN Plus. I really think that Oklahoma State, Kansas State being on ESPN Plus two years ago really hurt Chuba in not so much the Heisman candidacy, but in the Doak Walker Award because he went bananas against Kansas State. And nobody saw it. No, if you weren't in the stadium or a diehard OSU fan watching on ESPN Plus, nobody around the country saw it. I think that hurt him in the Doak Walker Award. So it'll be on ESPN Plus again. But this could be a two-and-a-half-hour football game, 245 maybe. Both teams are just going to run the ball to death. I like that under. Uh, and if I'm predicting the score, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State 20, Kansas State 13. The defense will dominate, and Kansas State will leave with a loss on their record. I like it. Uh, maybe they put it on ESPN Plus. So they don't have to worry about filling time when the game goes two and a half hours. You know, they didn't want to have to to stall until the next game started. Maybe that's why they put it on there. <laughs> but no, I, Cole, I, I hate to be negative here, but I think that shows you where the TV networks value OSU right now. You know, they're not ranked in the AP poll, and maybe that's you know maybe that's not a good sign for conference realignment that they keep getting put on ESPN Plus, or maybe. Maybe they feel OSU is a good enough brand to increase subscriptions. I don't know, but it, it stinks for the fans. I, I have ESPN Plus, but I know a lot of people that don't and are frustrated by that and don't want to, you know, the, everyone has so many streaming services. It's like, oh, I got to sign up for another one just to watch OSU football and basketball. But it's kind of the, that's kind of where we're at in society today, to, to, to quote Mike Gundy. Um, I'm with you. It's going to be low scoring. I finally have the Barry Trammell stat. Uh, he's picking them to win 21-20 OSU. He said the Wildcats have quit scoring big on Oklahoma State. K-State averaged 39 points per game in the series from 2011 to 2018. OSU went 4-4 four and four during that span. But OSU has won 20-18 and 26-13 the past two years. And I expect it, barring you know turnovers from either quarterback, I expect it to be even lower scoring this year. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. I'm going, I'm going full Costanza here. Colby, it worked out for you for Boise State. I wanted to pick Kansas State to cover, so I'm just going to go full Costanza and pick Oklahoma State to cover. I've got them win 21 to 10. Nice. And I think they cover. I think they win by double digits. I just think the more I've looked at this, I just don't see Will Howard having enough success. And I think I think Spencer has shown he can do enough. I think he showed, showed that against Boise. He really wasn't terrible throwing the football. They just didn't throw it. And I'm. I'm way more optimistic that they'll be able to just have a semblance of a running game. Clearly, Kansas State's going to be much better up front than Boise. I don't expect them to have the, the same amount of success and, and go full 1982 football the whole game. Uh, 
but I just think with Spencer's running ability, I think he'll make enough plays with his legs to, to kind of extend this game late and, and win by double digits. I just think they're better talent-wise top to bottom than Kansas State, and they're 2-0 and against Kansas State with, with Chris Kleiman as head coach. It's weird. K-State's beaten Oklahoma twice, but they've lost Oklahoma State twice in some close, some close games, and that's certainly what I expect on, on Saturday, which – I, I was not expecting to pick them to win a, a Big 12 opener, which Gundy's lost six of his past nine after watching the, the Tulsa game. But but here we are. Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I take Vegas pretty heavily into my predictions. Uh, last week, I thought that that line was, was quirky and it kept doing weird things, and I thought it, it benefited Oklahoma State. This week, same thing. I'm like, why did this line open at seven? Why would Oklahoma State be favored by seven? They must know something that we don't. Maybe some guys are going to be back this week. Maybe you get Tay Martin, Jaden Bray, Brayton Johnson. Maybe you get all those guys back, and Spencer throws for 250 yards uh, whenever he's got Tay Martin out there, who I think is a stud and will make a big, big difference whenever he's back and healthy. Uh, you mentioned all those points Kansas State was scoring for a while. You know who the random K-State player is who still gives me nightmares? Any guesses top of your head? Uh. Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle. You nailed it. He's still Byron, open. God, he's still he's still returning that kick for a touchdown. I mean, they're still trying to touch him on that kick return in what I believe was 2017. Uh, and he's returning kicks in the NFL. So obviously he was pretty good at it. He's with the yeah. Chiefs and still gets some run. But Byron Pringle gives me nightmares. He returned a kick and he had like a couple deep bombs too, didn't he? He scored four touchdowns in that game total. One kick return, a couple of bombs, and then like a, a slant or a bubble screen or something that he took 60 yards. It was ridiculous how good of a day he had. Well, it's at least he's in the NFL playing on the Kansas City Chiefs still. At least he wasn't just some bum that they let go off. Right. <laughs> but that was – that to me, Colby, is such an underrated, disappointing game in OSU lore. You know, 2017, they're – getting hyped to win the Big 12, getting hyped to go to the playoff. And they just got their doors blown off in the first half from K-State. They made a bit of a comeback in the second half when the game was well out of hand, but they got just destroyed by a really very mediocre to, to bad Kansas State team. That, that 2017 season was just a, a thorough disappointment, and the Wildcats certainly have given Oklahoma State games uh, year in, year out. I remember, uh, was it Grogan kicking the, the last second field goal to beat K-State in Stillwater? A lot of those games in Manhattan have been nutty. You know, the Mason Rudolph game where K-State was thrown into the end zone at the end of the game. It's It's been a crazy series. And I, I really have a lot of respect for Chris Kleiman. I think this guy knows what he's doing. And it certainly helps OSU that, that Skylar Thompson's not the quarterback. I know OSU has a a checkered history with backup quarterbacks lighting them up, like, like Brock Purdy coming out of nowhere his freshman year. But this Kansas State's a much different team with Skylar Thompson. That's how they beat Oklahoma last year with him at quarterback. And they're – their season really went off the rails without him. So I think that's a big boost for the already, you know, stellar OSU defense. Yeah, and, you know, this guy, Will Howard, it's a guy Oklahoma State's seen. It's not Brock Purdy who's sneaking up and surprising you as a true freshman. This is a guy Oklahoma State's seen. Uh, they know what he's good at, which is handing the ball off and occasionally running it. They know what he's bad at, which is being asked to do really anything more than that. Just, I mean, make them one-dimensional, um, load the box. If Will Howard beats you through the air – Will Howard beat you through the air. I can absolutely live with that. I expect Oklahoma State to just absolutely have everybody in the box and make Will Howard throw it. And I don't think Kansas State's going to be willing to do that. I think uh, I think Oklahoma State's going to be able to shut them down pretty good. So I'm with you. Um, just got a little update here from OSU football. Oh, good update. Uh, it's nothing crazy. It just says, put your hands together for legendary cowboy and Saturday's Orange Power VIP, Rashawn Woods. 
who I know you've worked with in the past via radio, or I guess Donovan Woods, who you worked with mostly, but I've I've worked with Rashawn some on on the sports animal, so I don't I don't know what the the VIP deal is, but maybe he'll be honored on on, on the field during the game. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be great. He certainly deserves it. And yeah, the woods are great. I worked with Donovan for a few years, uh, still a friend of mine and Rashawn would always come over. He was, he was awesome. So, uh, absolutely love the woods and they deserve all their credit for, for what they did for Oklahoma state football in the early to mid two thousands, because there was a time there was about half a decade, if not a little longer where woods was the name to know in Stillwater. Yeah. And I, I still think Rashawn is so underrated in the history of college football, not only just with Oklahoma state receivers, you know, he always gets put behind, you know, all the more recent guys like Dez and Blackman and, and people like that, which, you know, I understand those guys, those guys were incredible, but the numbers he put up in a less miles offense hold up today. It's crazy how productive he was in such a, you know, ancient style of offense running power. I handed the football off to Sean Willis up the gut, fullback dives, you know, that type of offense. And it'll be cool to see him uh, get his due. Uh, let's hear the Chris's University Spirit uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Colby, it's going to be nice and cool on Saturday. Football weather, what, what uniform combo are you going with? Oh, home opener. I've no home home conference opener. Pardon me. I've got to think that there's going to be orange shirts. So I'm going to go orange shirts, uh, night game. Somebody, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Gosh, I'd love to give you credit. Um, tweet at me again. Maybe I can find it again for next week. Somebody sent us the other day after we talked uniforms, somebody sent us the black orange, black combo. And man, I forgot how good that combo was. I'm going to go black, orange, black for the home conference opener on Saturday. I like it. That is such a great look. They've worn it in Bedlam a lot. And they wore it, obviously, when they won the Big 12 championship in 2011 in Bedlam. That's up there. That might even be better than all black, just because it, it mixes it up a little to where it's not, you know, monochromatic, which I know you love. But that would be a good look. I'm going with one they've worn against Kansas State. They wore it the last time they played them. Uh, when Chuba Hubbard had those two huge runs against Kansas State. And this is one of my favorites. It, for me, it's this look. It's black, orange, black, and all black for my favorite home looks. It's I'm going black helmet with the brand, black jersey, orange pants. And again, the, the orange pants are by far their best article. Those things just pop on TV. They're the perfect shade of orange. You know, orange isn't an easy, an easy color to nail when it comes to, to uniforms. And they've nailed it. Because, you know, the helmets sometimes when they have orange helmets, it doesn't quite match the pants, but that's okay because the pants are elite. So I'm going black, black, orange. You don't have to, you don't happen to remember off the top of your head what combo they were wearing way back when before they really even had combos for the 16 to 13 game. Because I'm just, you know, my brain's rushing now. And I'm like, hey, you're honoring Rashawn. Rashawn's the VIP. What about a little 16, 13 action? Maybe throw that same combo out there. Wait, when was, when was 16, 13? 13 would have been 01, right? Oh, uh, you're talking about OSU Kansas State or OSU oh, Bedlam? Bedlam when Rashawn made the uh, touchdown catch in the corner. Oh, well, it was on the road, so they're wearing all white. Oh, it was on the road. Was it all white? All white. And that was back when they, you're right, they didn't have combos. Now, it's, it's weird, though. Like, they didn't have all the combos, but they still had the orange pants to where sometimes they would wear white, white, orange, which I thought was their best road look as opposed to the all white with the big orange stripe on the pants. But 
they were definitely wearing wearing all white that day. Shout out to Rashawn. Shout out to that 16-13 win. I still yeah. remember the kid, but man, I remember that game like it was yesterday. And Rashawn's a hell of a high school football coach. He's he's turning yeah. things around up there in a, in a Enid, which is one of the smaller student bodies in terms of number number of players they can have on the football team. He's he did a heck of a job uh, at John Marshall. Now he's doing a heck of a job up there in Enid. I think he's really become a very 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 good football coach as well. So, yeah, well, we'll the best be, we'll, what's that? One of the best in the state. I mean, he's been great. Yeah. Donovan was his D coordinator there. Now he's moved on to Enid. Donovan's the D coordinator at, uh, at Millwood. So yeah, those, those guys are awesome. Well, Colby, we'll only be watching the game for about two and a half hours on Saturday. Should be a quick one. Uh, yeah, it'll be short. If you actually, if you record it and watch it without commercials, I bet you can get through it in about 50 minutes. Love and there's, it. And there's 60 on the clock. So do the math on that. In the day and age of five hour football games, we like we used to see back when Gundy had the rant, no seven, when it was 55 to 54 or whatever the heck the score was and the game lasted five hours it'll be a little refreshing to, to play a quick one so i'm looking forward to it colby enjoy the game on saturday we'll get back with you next week everybody have a great weekend enjoy oklahoma state football enjoy the Ryder cup victor hovland playing for the euros go pokes